This is John Stepling, and this is Aesthetic Resistance Podcast number 49. Um, and with me, uh, Varun Mater in New Delhi. Hi, Varun. Hello. Good evening. Uh, Johan Edebo in the north of Sweden. Hi, Johan. Hey, good evening. Um, Corey Morningstar in Toronto. Hello, Corey. <laughs> and Hiroyuki Hamada in New York City. Hi, Hiroyuki. Hi, John. And um, I'm in uh, Norway, in central Norway. Okay. Um, uh, there were a number of things to talk about. And, and I'm going to turn it over to Varun in a moment here. Um, but among the topics I hope we can circle back to tonight, and, and I want to say again, I got several nice emails. Um, one from a man in Australia that was um, furious at his country and suffering mm. this lockdown. And he wrote us, all of you, um, a, a very nice note by way of my email anyway um uh but that was a that was a singular email singular letter i i get a number each week uh you know there are people out there but but it it um it feels uh i would like to circle back to to you know given chomsky's moronic remarks just just jaw-dropping um this week uh we need to kind of talk about that and and stephen gowans the week before and um the position of the left and what all of that means right now um also i want to kind of do some kind of framing in which um because because we talked on social media there was a there was a thread about the the Great Reset and this Charlie Rose interview with Klaus Schwab, and um, and and a lot of and and that compilation that Build Back Better compilation of every world leader using that term, um, every world leader and Greta Thunberg um, using that term and and um, and I th and a lot of people who are not political, who are just kind of middle class, you know, bourgeois, white Americans said, well, what, but why is that a bad thing? That doesn't sound like such a bad thing. <laughs> back better. Why is that bad? I think we need to explain to them why it's bad in, in like simple terms, the great reset for, for, um, for, you know, the special needs class. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, but Varun, we, we were talking before and, and before we got on and talking about um, you wanted to talk about attention and, and I want to talk about that as well in a sense and, and um, this feeling that I think everybody has right now, which is, which is you know, the front edges of despair, I think, but, but I'm going to turn it over to you now. Mm. Well, I think, well, let's look at how many billions of dollars are spent on media campaigns every year to entrain attentions of people to a certain subject. And I think what's happening is that 
what the more we give attention to something the more we are mentally emotionally embroiled in it so now the question is is it only because i mean i think as a public generally speaking we are we are entrained into opposition directly and it's always that kind of a balance that from the force that is creating rules and policy and the oppositional force from the public that is managing to create what society lives through so in that sense it's important to see what are we concentrating on what is the attention on right now as a global public what is what are we looking at and we are not looking at living with nature we are not looking at our relationships with each other we are not looking at how do how do we live with the ecology there's there's none of that which is happening the only thing that's happening right now is focused on missiles war political takeovers and a so called pandemic right like so everybody's attention is on survival it's on war it's on decimation of ecology is all of that is it's it's every single person that i've spoken to in the last one year all of the attention is hijacked by all of these things mm-hmm. there is no constructive conversation about what is or what can society be right like there's so the the potential of society has gone lost it's it's gone like there is no conversation about potentiality what can it be how do we make that happen what are the what are the underlying issues that have made it possible for the world to become like the way it is so yeah i i want to just say something and i i i suspect johan has a comment um because we've talked johan and i've talked about something very similar i made an observation this week that that in one sense this is the first mass propaganda campaign that is digital that is electronic um that is equivalent to national socialism in the 30s um uh and and it's those of us who have dissenting opinions the, the dissenting voices have never had to confront this massive electronic um apparatus that is in the service of disseminating this misinformation right um and and i think and i think probably uh in retrospect it 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 was a little bit of of um you know the boiling frog syndrome i mean just incrementally this stuff was happening then suddenly the pandemic and that incrementally expanded and here we are two years and everything has changed you know and and i see how um people are uh uh my we're going my wife was going to take our boys to a birthday party of their cousin but the two boys had a little cough today nothing nothing 
you know, in normal times, nothing. Kids have snuffy noses and coughs all the time. But they just, you know, they she talked to her brother and said, no, we're not going to go because, you know, one of the in-laws is like a hysteric about this. So, you know, this this propaganda has served to slowly erode family relationships, friendships, all all mm. human connection is we're living in an increasingly estranged environment. And I think most people are not entirely aware of it. The other thing, though, that Varun, that, that you said that I think is important um, is that there's there's been a loss of theory in general. There's a loss of, of philosophic thinking and, and theory, uh, certainly about society. And, and I don't think it's an accident that there is such a relentless... Uh, disparaging of Marx online in the media, of Freud, Adorno, all of these people are just attacked relentlessly. But but most theoreticians are now philosophers. It's almost like a bad word. It's a pejorative term now, almost. Um, it, it it's it's very strange. But anyhow, um, uh, uh, so I think yeah, I think this is significant stuff in a way. Johan. Sure. Yeah, we, we spoke about this, and, and I think you're you're entirely correct, Varun, in, in remarking that we, we're not now looking at nature. We we're basically looking at this this agitation propaganda designed to cause fear. We're looking at the technology and, and this spectacle of, of capital, and and as you say, John, in this digitized social media context, <clears throat> I mean, there I think there's a huge qualitative difference between classical uh, mass media propaganda and, and the current situation because everybody now is both a producer and disseminator of propaganda in, in an entirely new sense. Everybody takes part in, in the reproduction of propaganda as opposed to when we were only receiving it passively. And I think this changes the situation in many, many ways. Uh, perhaps somebody else could could, uh, could uh, reflect on that difference. I, I've been thinking about it and I can't really get my, my mind around it completely. I'd like to add a comment to that if that's okay. I think sure. this is the idea of, um, well, let's look at how conglomerates and corporations pasted their logos on t-shirts and caps and trousers and shoes in the sense that they wanted mm people to be carriers of the propaganda that they were trying to make money on, essentially, right? And I think, and this is a very important distinction in the sense that the war on individual liberty and freedom and the thinking and emotionality and rationale process of the individual in society, on the world, etc., that has gone now from the material level into the spiritual level in that sense or the like the mm -hmm. intangible level entirely so now what we are what we're looking at is a branding of individuals literally mm -hmm. right on on a on a cognitive emotional level which is essentially the next step which of of how they have been progressing how empire has progressed in the sense that it was only t-shirts but now it is also how you think so that has been branded like entirely it's been taken over and now you're yeah. either like now it's just like two options but it's going to in the sense like it's going to be 
unvaccinated and vaccinated people. But I think in the next few years, we're going to see a lot more of that without just medication and many other things that are going to be attached to that stuff. Right. Um, Hiroyuki, yeah, I think that's right. Um, but Hiroyuki, you. Um, I really feel that the, uh, um, uh, the amount of information um, uh, we get from the, uh, the, the internet and other um, major sources um, really implies that, the, uh, that um, this huge capital is uh, totally employed to construct um, narratives and facts and uh, um, uh, all kinds of things. And uh, you look things up, you, you, you wonder about uh, contradictions, you wonder about uh, this isn't right. And then uh, you Google and it, all the answers are there already. You know, they, they are listed. Uh, so those are the correct uh, path to go when you have questions. And um, so if you step back, th this, this is sort of like a maze uh, constructed with the, uh, those narratives and facts and, uh, and it's huge. And we are supposed to go in and wander around and theorize and um, talk to each other and discuss about these things. But the uh, answers are already there because it's a maze, it's constructed. Uh, and this is made possible by this huge capital, uh, well, the layers and layers of institutions. It's going in there. I mean, you know, we work with wars and uh, we know that it's a labor to construct things with wars. It's a real thing when you uh, make um, stories and um, uh, uh, ideas into um, uh, uh, um, uh, in sentences and paragraphs. And um, so there's a huge structure out there and we can't see it, you know, because we are living in it. And um, so this is, um, this is really a, a pretty amazing thing, I think. Well, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned maze because, and then I want to go right to Johan, because in my last blog post, I think I described the, the current kind of unreality that we live in, that, that, that are, or the propaganda um, saturated uh, <clears throat> society that, that we find ourselves in is, it's like uh, several telescopes scoping registers of reality like a like a telescopic lens you are pulling focus back and forth all the time in these different registers that are qualitatively quantitatively um they're they're different but they're related and it's um it's hypnotic i think i think people become i do i i lose track in a sense of which which particular inner circle of hell I happen to be in at the moment. Um, Johan. Yeah, just another perspective on, on all of this. Uh, somebody, I think maybe one of you guys last week mentioned that uh, people tend to read magazine ads in, in some survey or study a long time ago. People tended to read magazine ads for products they already owned because they, they received this uh, pleasurable confirmation of their pre previous choices, their accepted right. uh, That was McLuhan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, in a sense, what you, what you have there is 
the situation with propaganda as such has become a commodity in itself, that propaganda as such has become a product designed for consumption on which there is this demand by the public. And, and I especially think this, this gets to be the case when we're dealing with this artificially conjured level of tension when you're so, so emotionally invested in a narrative that has been marketed like this and, and and when you have performed these acts of submission in relation to something uncertain and potentially dangerous so you, you get this strong need for confirmation and reassurance so you, you need this propaganda for consumption and and this also connects to this narcissism issue you've been talking about john how like people on instagram create these little ads for themselves and their brand they look at it and they rejoice and it reinforces their consumer choices and all of this Right, right. Um, Instagram, Instagram. Um, I find completely. A, I find it a mystery on some level because it's so empty. Besides, just perhaps as it, its use for selling things. Um, you know, there's no text. It's just people put up ephemeral photos. You know, of their backyard or something, and you know, their cats, litter box. I don't know. You know. And it's there and then it's gone, you know, and, and it's just like it's complete waste of time as far as I can tell. I, it's like a strange masturbatory um, platform. Um, anyway, Corey, do you have um, maybe we can start talking about about why why um, the Great Reset is bad? <laughs> really like I'm being crushed under the weight of this. I feel sort of terror creeping in. I feel despair. I'm actually feeling terrified for, for children, for kids, for youth. More and more youth are um, sort of dropping dead like flies, um, obviously associated with the vaccine to the point where doctors are now saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't really um, do anything strenuous after after um, having the vats, right, or the job for youth. And then um, what are they saying? Actually, you know, even then, if you have cardiac arrest, the benefits outweigh the risks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Young people who have, you know, who have no, who might not ever even know that maybe they've been infected and didn't even know, right? And today now, natural um, immunity is a, is a thing we're not even discussing. Um, health is not a thing we're discussing. It's all in service to capital. And I just will read um, a little film clip that I came across in the past week from earlier this year at the um, Global Technology Governance Summit. And it's Amy Webb speaking. She says, um, rewriting the code of life, gene editing technology will allow us to redesign whole organisms. We're talking about improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. It's going to allow us to not just edit genomes, but also, and importantly, write a new code for life. We'll have right level permissions. We already started to see some of this, or sorry, some of that this year. COVID-19 vaccines, they make use of engineered code in the form of messenger RNA. Um, and then in an article that, that actually has a lot of that quote within it from April, 2021, synthetic biology includes CRISPR, the gene editing technology currently being used to fight COVID-19. We're talking about improving biology and redesigning organisms for beneficial purposes. Um, and then, yeah, that was Amy Webb. So we have um, like when, um, 
Groom was speaking about nature earlier. I mean, now we're going to actually not protect nature, but redesign it to um, keep industrial civilization intact and expanding. So the very um, system destroying the natural world and destroying community, destroying um, you know everything good in life is being upheld and supported by now. Um, I mean, it, it just reeks of human arrogance. I mean, what more can you say about it? It's so disturbing. Well, I think that's, I mean, somebody pointed out, I mean, many people have pointed out actually that, that suddenly um, the, the massive anti-GM food, the, 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 the anti-genetically modified food movement has, has been neutralized. Um, it was a boon for that, uh, you know, uh, biotechnology gene uh, modification of anything is suddenly popular again because oh well the vaccine came to the rescue um whether that whether that narrative can be upheld with with so many adverse effects and deaths from the vaccine we will see but um but this is you know as i say somebody said to me but why is that bad why why is the great reset bad and uh, you want to point out that, that, that this technology, first of all, AI and then GM stuff, the whole emerging biotechnology market has had um, advertises, markets itself as hugely successful as breaking. And it's not. It's the successes have been extraordinarily limited. Um, GM food tastes terrible. That woman pointed out that, you know, if they can't make a good tomato, how are they going to um, redesign human beings? Um, and it's absolutely true. I can't think of a single thing that's been improved by AI. Not one. If somebody has, you know, wants to nominate something uh, because I can't think of one. But, but you try to point out that this is this, you know, it's like the, the, green new deal you you are these are the people that have that have constructed a global for the most part almost entirely global system of acute inequality massive suffering um a gigantic underclass that is food insecure all the time in spite of the fact more than enough food is manufactured um that has been in constant war and, you know, a, a death machine for the last, you know, 80 years without break, without a stop, there has been war and conflict, mostly driven by the United States. A defense budget of, you know, over of something like $5 billion a day. And these are the people that you are trusting. You are saying, but, but that sounds good, you know, this, the Great Reset. And and that compilation, how many war criminals was in that, you know, were in that compilation? Tony Blair, George Bush, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. It was like a it was like everybody who should be on trial at The Hague telling you, yeah, build back better. And that Nazi prime minister in New Zealand, who's just ghoulish, Jacinda Ardern or whatever her name is. Um, it, it, you know, the reason it's bad is that is that the state of the world um, has largely been created by a system these people are battling to uphold. They are, they are defending a system that has done nothing except 
make life worse and worse and worse for more and more and more people. Um, Johan. Yeah, and I mean, that's why you need the high theory left because, I mean, build back better the reset, all of this, <clears throat> it's an issue of power being usurped by global capital. That same old story with the added issue of the, this force multiplier of a global control and surveillance grid, also in relation to these disruptive technologies. And you're not going to find that especially problematic without the, the essential analyses from the left, which have been like eroded and disappeared from the culture. Yeah, it's extraordinary, isn't it? The left, I mean, the ACLU came out today in support of vaccine passports, you know, Chomsky, um, but he's always been a left gatekeeper. The only thing Chomsky ever wrote really good was when he was working with Ed Herman, the late Ed Herman, who was brilliant. But, um, you know, Stephen Gowans, everybody at Counterpunch, everybody at Black Agenda Report, everybody at Jacobin, everybody at World Socialist website. Um, this is ostensibly the left. And there are these, these few voices out there people like Ed Curtin or, or whoever, um, Jake Levitch, um, people who, who constantly are researching and, and trying to uncover the truth, Corey Morningstar, certainly us, I hope, all of us. Um, but, but, but it, it, you know, the, the, the left has dissolved. And the other thing that's happening in terms of propaganda, and, and we talked about this before the show when we were on chat, the, the, um, that, that that the great reset and and the lockdowns and all this pandemic government response is being blamed on world communism they're trying to to, to, to create a world communist system and we have to fight it some batista apologist cuban refugee politician fascist was was um you know blaring on about that and i thought yeah i've seen that a lot i've seen this a lot um we don't want world communism. We have to stop, you know, and it's so it it just further um, mystifies the, the entire the, this entire state of reality. The, the whole pandemic narrative is corrupted. Um, Corey. Give an example of that, a couple of examples. So earlier today, and I mean, I fall prey to these same types of social constructs, um, you know, that are strategic and designed and leveraged, you know, and used against us as, as weapons to, to um, roll out this whole fourth industrial revolution architecture, you know, that if you're like, oh, who said this? Oh, well, they're really right wing. I can't really share that because they're right wing that. And you really have to overcome that, right? Because it, it's very real. And here's an example. I mean, today, um, Kami Lee Jones on Twitter, who's communist, far left, um, a, a great account to follow. He, re this is interesting, okay, because he retweets something that's um, a video of Trudeau. And it's about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years old, an old um, uh, speech from him. And within it, um, Trudeau says, freedom to do what you want with your body. Okay, so this is old. Trudeau's young. And it's been shared by Vivian Krauss, who is actually um, quite far right in Canada, very conservative. But she is um, an excellent researcher um, and does uh, like just amazing research. So anyway, um, 
he, he retweets that even though he's communist, right? Far left, Vivian is not. But as Steve says from Slow News Day, resisting medical tyranny is not partisan, right? But because the ruling class has actually, so Trudeau doesn't represent political left or right, okay? So he, as we know, he represents and serves the consolidation of global power happening in real time. I'm trying to explain this this morning, capital, as it contracts and, and consolidates, right? As Molly is so good at explaining. Um, so the framing of left versus right is deliberate and strategic by those that oppress us. This yep. is our conformity leveraged for ruling class objectives and they're using this against us to win. So, right. so we have to become aware of this and overcome this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think... I think um, that that it is intentional. There, the um, the as soon as you know, I mean, I, we've talked about this before, but the the specter of Trump's presidency, you know, casts a very long shadow. The kind of liberal bourgeoisie in the United States, the kind of upper middle class, educated, university educated. Um, would rather die than be associated with 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 Trump, uh, make America great again. The, you know any of that. Um, they they will tolerate anything before that, and so that has poisoned the narrative on, in one way. The other thing is what you just pointed out, which is that there has been an intentional. I mean, look, you have to. This, people start calling you conspiracy theory when you mention propaganda. Just the mention of the word propaganda. Because I'm about to say, look, you know, there is a propaganda machine. We know the CIA, the FBI, 50 years ago with the Panthers, with the anti-war movement, with the civil rights movement, employed Asian provocateurs. This is pre-digital, pre-internet. They, they put out false narratives. They created false flag. We know this. They admit it. And thousands of agent provocateurs were sent out into into left communities, you know, hippie communes, war resistors. They were infiltrated thoroughly across the country in the United States. And this is something they are proud of. They don't hide it. The history has been written. Everybody knows this. Do people think that just stopped? Do, that doesn't exist today? You think the government, the CIA, the FBI, the U.S. State Department, the Pentagon, you think these people, the Trilateral Commission, all of them, even people at Davos and, and the World Economic Forum, you think they don't employ uh, subversive propaganda targeted to confuse and disseminate misinformation to, to um, leverage certain biases and, and you know the confirmation bias of certain groups as reinforced and so on? Of course they do. Of course they do. You know, it's madness to think otherwise. So, so there is this propaganda machine that, that um, as Corey said, you know, leverages right versus left, confuses the issue, and changes the definition of left. And sadly, there are very few reliable, genuine Marxist um, thinkers out there to, to analyze this stuff properly. Um, Johan. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, but I mean, that can all be easily brushed aside with the kind of few bad apples argument. 
if you don't have the critical Marxist or anything similar kind of analysis of ideology and how the, the institutions of the news media functions for the reproduction of the relations in the economic order. I mean, what people think news media are basically has the purpose of, of purveying useful and true information, but that's not the structural function of that institution. And, and we can't get to that if we lack this kind of high theory analysis. We need that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, Corey, yeah. Completely. And yeah, you don't need a Marxist analysis at, to be a mom or a dad and protect your child from being an experiment to big pharma. Sure. I mean, that, that's something we can, we all know what is right and what is not right. We're all, I mean, first and foremost, we have to protect our children. That's our responsibility, each and every one of us. I don't and care yet, what your ideology And yet people aren't. So, but, so why aren't they? Because I agree, right? And, and I see these photographs of schools in the U.S. with children entirely masked, lining up for kids to be vaccinated. Why are parents doing that? Is it just they're so indoctrinated that they've lost touch with protecting their children? I don't know. I think, I mean, if I can just add here, is that, that there's always an externalized system of trust and Corey has written about this, which is the brokering of trust by the corporations. And mm. there has been a decimation of people having relationships with each other rather than primarily having a relationship with the system first. Mm. So in the sense that my, my survival is re reliant entirely on how the system works, it's not on you. Right. Like, so if, if I understood that fact that everything I have, everything I can have is dependent on people, not on systems, then my relationship to the world changes entirely. Right. And that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, in the sense that the way that the individual functions right now is primarily with a capitalist system is that yeah. money is going to bring me what I want. It's not people anymore, mm -hmm. right? So whether I am buying this trend or that um, trend or whether it's medical or consumer, whatever it is, it's always about what the establishment is selling. It's never about other people. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, Structural, right? I mean, the the fact that people follow those things is that there's a benefit to it, and people are forced to be related to each other. No, not to each other, but to the uh, system, the framework of oppression, uh, for their own good. Because, yes, you know, it, it, we are fed by the um, uh, you know uh, the system, you know, wage workers. So, um, like you're saying, uh, it's not depending on us. So this is structural. So it makes sense that people react uh, in this manner. And uh, so the 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 assumption of uh, Marxism is uh, not to just talk about it, to change it, you know, the, the, the overthrow the whole thing and uh, make it uh, to a different system. That's not gonna do what it's doing right now. And um, 
um, but that's not something we really can't talk about because um, if you do that, you're a conspiracy theorist and uh, you are a um, Stalinist and uh, whatever, you know? Right. And, um, um, so this, this is really, really um, um, destructive. People use those terms. Uh, you are, you, you are. I mean, you know, demonizing Stalin and demonizing Soviet Union and demonizing Mao and all that. This is so prevalent. It's the basis of um, discussion, basically. And yeah, absolutely. This is really. Um, um, I mean, you know, you're, you're walking out from a wrong direction. It doesn't make any sense because. It's the structural issue. Uh, we need to honestly uh, face uh, what the history of our attempts have been in overthrowing the system. I mean, I'm not saying that um, what happened in socialist countries are perfect, mm. of course. There are things they're working on, but that's not our problem. That's the people in those countries, and it's 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 so bizarre that that becomes the major issue when we talk about what should we do. We don't want to be like Soviet Union, but the reason why Soviet Union, for example, was destroyed was the U.S. They destroyed it. So yeah, it, it, you know. No, this is the, the anti-communism in, in U.S. propaganda textbooks, media is is has been um, acute and never ending for 50 or 60 years. It's very hard to convince people often in conversations about this or to even sort of put it aside so you can try to make a point because it's very deeply entrenched. Um, Corey, yeah, you had. I, don't know. I mean, I just wanted to add what Hiroyuki often articulates so well. I mean, basically, they've colonized our minds, so it's a natural progression of the system enslaved in, you know, where now we see them colonizing our bodies. And that's what's about to happen in the colonization of nature, you know, like I'm redesigning nature to serve um, humans, to serve the white supremacist. Um, um white supremacist um you know this whole society i mean it's just um again so patriarchal patriarchal it's anti-feminine it's um you know um objectifying nature in the in the most grotesque forms i mean it's a complete disrespect of nature and it's all done under the banner of protecting nature and that's not what's happening at all that's not at all what they're about to do they're about to decide you know up in their ivory tower of what deserves to live what deserves what doesn't deserve to live you know <laughs> yeah. to serve to serve the human the human structure and specifically that structure of the of the west and um people don't even know this is happening i mean it's just amazing yeah. Well, it's like the idea that people make tasteless tomatoes that, you know, develop um, black spots instead of mold, um, that they're going to create human versions of that lousy tomato um, is, a, is a frightening thought. You know, it's, it's hubris. It's astounding hubris. Johan. Yeah, I just wanted to say I completely agree with you, Corian and Varun, that, well, the... the 
maybe you don't need high theory in, in particular because I, I think the roots of these issues are are, are very deep. They, they are at the level of, of what we call ontology and metaphysics and, and philosophy. They, they are spiritual and, and they connect with the thing known as religion because I think if we, we dig back a few hundred years, we, we in the West established this 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 worldview, this reductionist worldview, which separated the subjective from the objective material reality and, and used this paradigm of interchangeable uh, utilitarian, uh, the perspective of everything as a kind of machine where the parts are in interchangeable and that, where they work together in the interests of, of maximizing profits. And I think this, this basic metaphysical paradigm lies at the heart of all of this, which then feeds into these uh, secular narratives of, of uh, what I, I've called redemptive scientism and all of this. I, I think this is key to, to these developments in a very fundamental man way. And also I think it relates very much to the recuperation of the left because materialist scientism holds a key role for, for the left in a very strong sense which is why it is very easy to to get the the, the left with you if you just um, invoke science uh, yeah. but then, i wanted I, go I, ahead I, hiroyuki i wanted to say something also on yeah, that but, I, but go ahead <laughs> um i i totally understand that the mechanism of deception is totally um it, it needs to be articulated and uh, understood but the um uh, uh, it's funded by the uh, enormous accumulation. I mean, as we see the uh, scale of the uh, um, um, the scale of the uh, uh, the deception that's coming from the uh, internet. Like you look things up, and all the things are already refuted. All the yeah, lies yeah. are, you know, backed up by the lies. So you know, it's it's it, as we go along with. Um, that back and forth, we um, um, make the structure even stronger by engaging in this uh, game. And uh, yeah. it's a game, so, you know, it, you, your goal is already determined by the, uh, the people who uh, set up those narratives. So, um, you know, there's no way around, um, you know, not talking about the, uh, this enormity of the uh, accumulation and how, how it happened that way. And well, um, I, I, I just two quick things. And I, I Corey, I want to go to you because that, but you just said that, that extreme concentration of wealth, unprecedented in a very few hands, unprecedented. The, the, the scale in which, you know, these very few corporations, very few individuals have unprecedented power. And, and so we're seeing in to some degree the the um, the results of, of of this concentration, you know, that's so acute. The other thing is. Uh, and this is like sidebar sidebar observation. What I'm seeing in the marketing um, of of the pandemic. The, the fear mongering and so forth, the the the, uh, the pressure and shaming and stigmatizing and scapegoating that goes on, the the un, unvaccinated as the new unclean, the lepers and and 
uh, is, but the voices, the, the talking heads, there is a, there is a strange loss of affect in these people, but I even see it in people like Tony Blair and, and others now, the, the, that prime minister of New Zealand, um, and a kind of dyssynchronous, um, uh, almost uncanny effect where their facial gestures don't match their words. Um, and, and but I'm serious. George Bush Senior, the the first George Bush had a had a f- sort of form of that actually, where he would be waving for you to come forward and say go away. Um, and and it would you it was very subtle, but but there are numerous examples of it. But but Greta is is one of these voices, right? The Greta Thunberg thing has her, her like very dis, sort of disturbing loss of affect that she's a high functioning, whatever Asperger's, um, um, you know, uh, is, is, is being normalized in a sense. And um, in terms of media, I could write a whole monograph about, cause I trace this back to Reagan's presidency. Um, that Reagan, who was senile when he was still governor of California, was called the great communicator. And I used to sit there and go, what? He's just a doddering old man who can bear researches for words all the time. He's not a communi- great communicator. Um, but, but that was the beginning of it. And, and, and then Bush Jr. came in, made stupid um, and acceptable, you know, being dumb and acceptable, a, a virtue even, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, end of sidebar. Corey. I just wanted to add that even though it's hard not to feel um, despair um, and even to get depressed over this and, and even, you know, obviously fear um, over not from the virus, but from what's actually happening, what's being put into place. I think it's important to remember if you go back to the Johns Hopkins um, event 201, which was held by um, in partnership with the World Economic Forum and I believe the Gates Foundation, they um, discussed at length the social media flood strategy. And that's what they call it, the flood strategy, where you flood the social media with your own message through every outlet, every trusted source, which includes pastors, teachers, barbers, um, scientists, doctors, every psychophant um, for capital that you can get on board. Um, And even Team Halo, which not very many people have heard of, but that plays in the background. And that's a project of you unverified which is um, a partnership of the UN, which is officially partnered with the World Economic Forum and purpose is um, the marketing arm of Avaz. And it's um, a partnership of UN verified purpose and the vaccine confidence project um, at the University of London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And that's with um, support from Luminate, which is, how do you pronounce his name? Omidar? Omidar. Global Challenges and the UN Foundations. And then importantly, that's in partnership with TikTok and Facebook. So they're actually controlling everything we see and more importantly, what we don't see and what we're not seeing even this weekend are hundreds of thousands of people marching all over the planet, hundreds of thousands of people. And the media is giving it zero coverage, mainstream media. No, it's the eighth straight week of massive protests in France. And if it does get mentioned, and it very rarely gets mentioned, oh, a bunch of anti-vaxxers and right-wingers are on the streets in Paris again. It's not true, of course. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in every city 
um, in France protesting, and this has gone on for eight weeks. It's extraordinary. Johan. Mm, yeah, on this on this loss of effect, I can't help but um, associating to the well, what I what I previously talked about, how, how we in a way live in a culture whose whose leading intellectuals for a very long time have maintained that we we are really robots, that the subjective does not really exist, that consciousness is an illusion, and so on, and and that matter and, and worldly comforts are the only conceivable and and goals of life. And I was meaning to ask Varun about your, your perspective on this, because we've touched upon the issue a bit. And, and I mean, is this something you recognize in your context uh, or are there any avenues of, of resistance to these kinds of, of ideological structures that you see over there? Um, I think that the intangible idea of life in general has been, has already been destroyed as far as I can understand it. It's, it's been replaced by a material, material deterministic point of view yeah. and that there is something that we don't understand is entirely now considered delusional, right? Yeah. Like, because science has said that we understand everything now because yeah. we know mathematics. So we can map everything out and this is how it works and this is what you're supposed to do. So the, the openness of potentiality, the openness mm -hmm. of, of spontaneity in that sense has been completely imperialized, destroyed, imprisoned, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't exist now anymore, I think, in the collective cognitive map. It, it, the only thing that we are, we are attentive to and focused on, like, uh, we were just talking about is material possession and that is the only gauge with which life is looked at. Now whether you're looking at a daily wage laborer who is earning maybe half a dollar a day or maybe less or you're looking at somebody who runs a company, a multi-million dollar company or a billion dollar company, all all of their attentions in that sense are focused on how do I make my life materially better? Mm. It's no, no longer about relationship with society. It's no longer about relationship with each other, with family, whatever. It's not about community anymore. It's more about material wealth. So in that sense, the idea of openness and the, this, this kind of extremely arrogant and obnoxious anthropocentric point of view to say that we have understood life is at the center of all of these things right like it's not it's not a it's not a mm. it's not a collaborative maneuver it's not a it's not taking into account things that there might be that we don't know well that, that right. makes sense though because uh, <clears throat> the real organic community would take care of our material needs you know we care about the environment we care about each other and uh, what we can give to the community can uh, support us as well and uh, we're not gonna destroy the environment because we are part of the community and the community is part of the land and all that but if yeah. you destroy the whole thing 
um, you know, we have to depend on um, the system that can provide those things and make rules. And uh, so it's the this basic, uh, you know, the thing is uh, uh, is there. It's yeah. <clears throat> well, I, 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 go ahead. So, please, please. Um, I think it's a very important statement that uh, you just made, Hiroyuki, is that what do we give to society? That kind of responsibility in individuals right now in modern day civilization in metropolitans does not exist. Right. It's, it's only about how do I go and earn my money so that I can consume all that I desire, right? Like that's exactly, like that's the paradigm. It's not about a contributive agent to life, not just human life, but to life. It's also, it's just, it's been kind of segregated into a passive money-making consumer. That's all it is now. The industrialized human being is that. Right? Well, I think there's, with, with the, um, the pandemic story, and, and just to kind of bring it to COVID again, there's been a mystification of, of death in this and a kind of denial of death. And, and I wrote a, a, just a piece on social media, not a few paragraphs about looking up statistics. And that's the other thing is that people have focused on, it's like the battle of statistical analysis and, and completely missing the point often of, of um, what any of these statistics mean. But I was looking at at um, death, uh, you know, leading cause of death, and in the United States, it's it's heart disease, hypertension, and so forth. And you go down the list, and very high on this this list is um, dementia, which they divide into um, Alzheimer's and nonspecific dementia. And when you look at the definition of nonspecific dementia, it just sounds like you know, you've died because you got really old. We're talking about people in their well past the age of, you know, average life expectancy in their upper 80s. And so it's loss of cognitive ability, uh, you know, uh, uh, inability to 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 uh, be upright, ambulatory. And they're calling this dementia now. Alzheimer's is a specific condition allegedly. Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I know that the, that, that there's probably an incentive to, to pathologize old age. And that's what they're doing with nonspecific dementia. Um, and, and when you try to mention to people that, well, but COVID, you know, um, is not the leading cause of death anywhere. It's not the second leading cause of death anywhere. Uh, often it's the fourth or fifth or sixth. And that's given what I'm quite sure is the overcounting of, um, of COVID death, death from death with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of these statistics are probably at this point hugely unreliable. But, but I think that the West, if we're Europe, perhaps to a lesser degree, but North America um, <clears throat> has an inability to talk about death in general. And, and they look at it uh, 
in a sort of sanitized and 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 compartmentalized way uh, and you see it in the, the the funeral rituals and and mortuary industry and so forth it's um <clears throat> it's sanitized and 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 sort of made um without qualities it's like death without any qualities now it's a very strange phenomenon anyway corey I mean, but it, it's funny, um, John, because then if you look at deaths from um, non-diagnosis, deaths from cancer due to COVID restrictions and lockdowns, hundreds of thousands of deaths in the global south, then all of a sudden those deaths don't matter at all, right? I mean, people don't die. They, it's a non-issue. Those deaths are absolutely okay. It's just with COVID. No death from COVID, right? But everything else um, on the altar of COVID. Right. So it's just um, a psychological um, fuckery. I mean, I don't even know what you call it. Well, I mean, it's racist. First of all, we're talking about a, a you know, former slave owning society that still exhibits, you know, the, a colonial logic and a, and a, and a racist sort of um, uh, foundational worldview. Uh, but I, but I, th but I think that's absolutely true. I mean, the, the, the entire, this is just the compartmental. I mean, most people don't have any idea about us foreign policy. It's shocking, but it's, but you, nobody has, if you asked people, um, I mean, they heard on the, the, all the headlines, us left Afghanistan. Oh, okay. They might know that if you ask them, you know, what countries U.S. had military bases in, you know, they might go, oh, I don't, I don't know. In Korea, I think in Germany, you know, U.S. has, has military bases in nearly every country in the world. I think there's like one or two they don't have bases. In. Um, they have massive bases in many places, permanent bases in many places. They are not welcome in any of these places. Nobody welcomes, nobody wants a U.S. military base except maybe Norway, but they won't soon. They'll learn the mistake of that. Um, and, and, uh, and so it's very hard to, to get people to understand that the U.S. military kicking in doors in Fallujah and slaughtering families is reproduced domestically by police departments made up of military veterans kicking indoors in black neighborhoods and killing unarmed black men and women. Uh, they don't see that parallel because they don't understand the first end of it. Johan. Yeah, just a question for, for Corey. And it might maybe a difficult question and, and so on, but I was wondering what your perspective is on, on how to build modes of, of communication to kind of avoid this, this uh, or skirt this system, this huge system of, of consent manufacturing propaganda. I mean, what, what are examples from your perspective on fruitful modes of communication for conveying truth in, a, in, a, in an honest manner? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, one thing I would say right now, something we can do and that window's closing and I know one, no one will want to do it, but I mean, look at what we're looking at. Look at what's about, look what's about to happen. We could, we could destroy our smartphones. I mean, it sounds simplistic, but actually that is, 
that is the foundation of the whole fourth industrial revolution at this moment in time. If if that was if everyone <laughs> smashed those phones today, this would all collapse within yeah. 24 hours. Yeah. Like that that is real. I mean, that window's closing in 10 years, the smartphone will be a thing of the past. By that time, it'll be um wearables, right? Things in your body and on your body. So, yeah, so that window's which, closing, but I know people work. will say, well, you can't do that. You can't, no, we need that, right? It's as though we've, we've you know, um, millions of years of evolution that we've had this phone on, on the side of our body and we can't live without it now. Actually, no, it's just yeah. been here for like a, a tiny, tiny little blank, like nothing. We can live without that phone. We can't live without, um, without, without our ecosystems that sustain life. Right, that we're that are dying, that we're destroying for industrial um, growth. We can't live without those things, but actually, we can live without smartphones, right? And that means reconnecting with our local communities, right? And right. I. Well, I think one okay. thing that I'm just going to make it very quick, and whoever else wants to jump in, jump in. I think the other thing that that warrants repeating to people is to recognize that. I said earlier, there's not a single thing that AI makes better. I should add almost everything AI makes worse, in fact, and that more time is spent uselessly, repetitively, compulsively through all of all of this electronic gadgetry from smartphones to to many of these kind of useless platforms, Instagram, for example, um, that it is it is it is compulsively repetitive and and ai has made um has has cost people jobs we used to be able to speak to human beings on the phone if you called up and you said you know that that um, whatever it is i bought from you doesn't work and i'd how do i get it replaced who do I, no you have to spend 11 minutes waiting for you know two or through three automated voice apparatuses that you know will explain things to you and i feel like god how much of my life has been spent uselessly pointlessly with things i don't really care about need or want and it's it's staggering it's it's despair inducing and it gets worse every day and it's going to get worse that's the other thing that i fear that nobody talks about a lot of the researchers for ai i think are besotted with the technology themselves even if they think it's being used badly. I, I keep wanting to point out to people, the stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work. Don't you can't, I mean, how many mistakes on, on, on your bank account, digital bank account, do you spot every month? Cause I spot a couple. Um, and, and it goes on from there. I mean, it's, it's staggering hubris to think these people can design a world of like, you know, surveillance grid and all of this stuff that's going to work because I'm going to tell you, it's not going to work. It's going to be extraordinarily flawed. I don't think that the ruling class cares if it's flawed. Um, it may be to their benefit that it, that it is flawed. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. Who else? Varun, you had something. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the well, the quote unquote smartphone has replaced, um, human connection, of course, but the idea is that the deep suffering that industrial society can cause and the trauma that can, that is caused, not can be caused, but that is caused 
is now neutralized by entertainment. Constant flux of imagery, sound, and spectacle through the cell phone, right? And so you don't have to now anymore pay attention to your suffering within modern industrial civilization. Because now you're every second of the day, you're distracted. Because if you did, then you would have, I think at this time, you would be forced to think about the things that are actually wrong with society. No matter what kind of spectrum you are in society, I think if people did not have the two things, one is the survival cycle and the second is the, the mobile phone. If these two things did not exist, I think people would have, would be forced to reflect on how society functions as a whole in general. And that leads to individual insight and that leads to automatic movements outside of empire. And that's why it has been important for, for empire to be placing these kind of objects within society where people are not critically thinking and looking at each other. Right. And the lockdowns have only obviously um, intensified that, right? People are left at home. They can't travel. It's much harder to, to, to go anywhere. Gas is expensive. It's harder to drive anywhere. So they're left at home with their smartphones, you know, with, with entertainment, with distraction. Um, that's completely empty. And, and I think, you know, I'm going to add a few links this week. I want to add when we finally finish up here, some of the doctors who are dissenting voices have given interviews mm. that Swiss doctor that was arrested, just a staggering story. Um, that Canadian haunted different guys, Hodgkins, is that his name? Um, uh, because, because I think unless you know about them, if you're just like an average person, person um watching cnn you're not going to know about these these voices at all you're never going to have been exposed to them um Corey, yeah i just think it's so important that we look beyond um you know things that are put in front of us as distraction and see what this is this is you know the future that our children will endure the future that future generations will endure you know the future of humanity going forward. And I mean, there's going to be a lot. I, I always think of that quote, you know, by Duluth, um, the fourth industrial revolution, who will thrive, who will perish because it's so apt. And I think children in particular and youth, there's going to be um, massive, massive suicide. And even though they're being born into this and automatically conditioned right from birth to endure this even um children right now as young as three look at what their first three years have been they'll be conditioned and yet they're going to um even subconsciously be empty right of all these things that we need as as humans right the social aspects of life all the things all the very simple things that make life worthwhile will um, be vanishing and disappearing and I think we'll find it a very very cold and brutal world and people for they won't even understand why they no longer want to live in it or why yeah. they're not interested in it <clears throat> it's going to be I think crippling that's, yeah terrific points and in the I, sense yeah. that it's, it's also been in the sense that there is a very big move to denormalize death right like that's what's happening in the sense that it's a disconnection from a natural process. Right. Well, that's, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. 
<clears throat> but I think that that Corey's right, and and I know that I'm every single day I'm surprised that people are not angrier about travel restrictions. That that it's gone on for a couple of years now. You know, I can't cross any border, and soon because I'm not getting vaccinated, I probably won't be allowed to leave Norway ever while this regime is in power, you know, while this system is um, in existence. And yet I don't detect as much anger as I think I would have expected. And, and I'm not, I don't fully get that other than people are still clinging to the fundamental, uh, you know, narrative of fear that that sometimes somehow we're still battling this this virus that you know is not killing you know almost anyone anymore and yet so much of it comes down to the pcr test and i just wanted a few words about that it's flawed it doesn't it's not accurate it is prone to to give false positives and why they started calling positive test results cases was was likely very intentional right it made it seem more of a crisis than it was and and this continues today i mean so so you hear you see headlines here in norway trondheim with you know something like eight i don't know how many 800 you know um new cases and then you look more closely and like two people went to the hospital or something hardly anybody um but most people don't even read that far. They go, oh, my God, there's an outbreak. It's still with us. We have to be careful. Where's my mask? You know, um, it's it's staggering. It's just they it, it, it is what Varun just said, this this mystification of death. But it's it's also just a, a hypnotic trance that people have fallen into an apathetic state of, of inertia. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, Corey, yeah. Yeah, and not to mention that anyone that does get sick from COVID um, will experience mild to no symptoms, most healthy people that is, and um, natural immunity, and no one disputes this, is far superior, right, to this experimental job, right, yeah, um, far yeah. superior. So I just wanted to mention, because I came across it this week or last, and I thought it was interesting, uh, an article from BC in the mainstream media, and as well as one from Australia. And it had both um, like chief of health basically saying the same thing that this was that passports were a temporary measure and that they would end in 2022. And I, I, you know, I thought that was amazing that in Canada and Australia, that same thing was taking place that they're a temporary measure. And I mean, when when do they, um, you know, they ruling class um, government and and um, partnership with corporate power? When do when does empire or they right they take take power and give it back? I mean, what instances there where they take this amount of power? This is what they dream of. This type of power is you know things they only dream of this type of power, right? So. The idea that they will give this back is insane, right? right? And it's a blatant lie. I mean, I sure. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope. I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope um, spring 2022 comes. Oh, passports are all <laughs> COVID's gone. No more passports needed. But since when does that? Happen? I 
mean, that's just not reality. You don't seize power and, and then, um, you know, to reverse it and give it all away. Well, look what happened. 9-11. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm just <clears throat> no, but we still, you know, one, uh, look at airport security. That never returned to normal. You know, it 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 stayed whatever the color code, you know, it stayed red. It's still a nightmare to go through airport security. Um, and there's no, you know, the war on terror has become the war on a virus. Johan. Yeah, I have a... a, a perhaps a positive reflection here if we have time for it yeah let's yeah well we should wrap up but go ahead no it's it's kind of i I can do it a a later time but um, yeah it 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 related how to perhaps how to build a a more of a close-knit community and create forms of artistic resistance and all of that but but i I can get into it well but i think no yeah we should because it's getting long but but that's something really important the subculture, an artistic subculture, an educational subculture, an alternative arts education underground, I think is crucially important. I mean, I can't think of anything more important besides stomping on your smartphone. Um, <laughs> I think that's key, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hiroyuki, final uh, thoughts? I, I was just going to say that the uh, um, since you mentioned about the anger, uh, I, I think anger... Uh, is uh, here, you know, people feel the anger and frustration, but um, um, those things are um, um, directed toward each other. You know, people would uh, be mad about uh, not being able to travel, you know, being locked down um, um, and they blame unvaccinated people for it. And- um, Yeah, uh, yeah, but that's- so you know, it's it's really uh, designed uh, to work against the people uh, at the end. So you know, again, there is this uh, huge uh, conceptual structure um, of narratives and uh, false facts, and it's a maze. And we are, um, you know, wandering around in it. And this is um, not good because, you know, we play along with it and uh, we make it even more um, uh, uh, prominent because, you know, everyone uh, talks about it and um, uh, then um, it's justified. It's legitimized. It's yeah, that's a that's a conundrum for sure. Right. Yeah. I, I, I grant you, Johan. Last thought? Yeah, I have a short quote that's kind of relevant, I think. Let me just go ahead. Uh, I have, uh, I have, um, uh, let's jump ahead. Uh, Before we begin to talk of the practical problem of machinery, it is necessary to leave off thinking like machines. It is necessary to begin at the beginning and consider the end. Now, we do not necessarily wish to destroy every sort of machinery, but we do desire to destroy a certain sort of mentality. And that is precisely the sort of mentality that begins by telling us that nobody can destroy machinery. Those who begin by saying that we cannot abolish the machine, that we must use the machine, are themselves refusing to use the mind. Who was that? That's uh, Chesterton, I think, in 1910 or so. Wow, that's so interesting. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it, it, yeah. <laughs> my reading suggestion this week is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. 
Um, uh, yeah. Final thought, Hiroyuki. Uh, I'm I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. I saw your little blue hand up there. So I zoom. Oh, sorry. Zoom confusion. Corey, anything? Varun. No, I, I guess. I'm just like really pissed off today and really angry. <laughs> I am too. I I I, Me too. I am I am too. I, I'm furious actually and and um and I'm terrified too for my children, you know. Um I I I get little texts in the mail from on my phone, smartphone, texts from the commune urging me the urgency with which they encourage me to get vaccinated. Um, you know, uh, what, when does this end exactly? But it's, you know, like I, I, I was listening to, uh, uh, Chomsky talking about, um, making lives, uh, so difficult for the unvaccinated people so that they're going to comply. And this, this is, this is exactly, uh, what the government has been doing to like Venezuela and, uh, Syria and those yeah. countries. And, you know, Chomsky was the one who was, demonizing Gaddafi and demonizing Assad and, you know, in the name of saving whatever, you know? Yeah, and no, he's been a he's been a left gatekeeper for a long time. But your observation this week that what the system, the lockdown system, Western governments are doing through the pandemic is exactly what the United States does to socialist, communist countries, um, disobedient nations. You know, it isolates, it sanctions, um, it it makes everything difficult. It deprives them of movement and food and everything. It's exactly true. It's like human beings are being treated um, as as uh, the the way Western imperialism treats uh, recalcitrant, um, disobedient. Uh, socialist leaning countries we are all uh you know lumumba now and it's, it's a, the difficulty is that we are talking to people who have been supporting those measures say yeah yeah no use. it's very hard yeah um it's, it's, how do you do that you know yeah a good a good question to ask would be what is how does the individual or community put an embargo on empire. Right. That's a good question to ask. Right. In right. general. Yeah, right what now. what right. right. How do you how do you how do you put an embargo on empire? In your, See, I think empire, Yeah, and I think it is good and we should talk about it next time. Um but I also think what 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 um Johan mentioned earlier is maybe just because this is my predilection in general, but the development of of a people's university, a you know, a cultural atmosphere uh, of education, you know, political education, aesthetic education, uh, the development of an underground newspaper publication, anything. I think this is vitally important. I don't see anything else because the, the system has power. The system has money. The system can do a lot of things that individuals and dissenting voices cannot do. Um, so it is incumbent upon us to find strategies to neutralize that advantage, I think. All right. I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. Uh, thank you, everyone. Hiroyuki, Corey, Varun, Johan. Um, thanks to Jack Littman, who's going to be on the job again here. Um, and uh, I'll talk to you all soon. 
And thanks uh, to everyone who has listened and uh, written nice letters and donated and all of that. It's much appreciated. Mm. Okay. Talk to you guys again soon. Talk to Adios. you soon. Thank you. Take care. Ciao, ciao.